Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today, I've got Thad Miller. Now, Thad and I... It's it's hard to describe really how I'm connected with people at Elk Camp because I could say they're like hunting family almost. It's it's those people that you're so close to for that 7 to 12 days a year. Um, but at the same time, it's almost like we're acquaintances. Like we don't know a ton about each other, but we feel super close when we're out there hunting and sharing the same uh, base camp. Like there's 18 people out there hanging out this year. And you get really close with people when you're helping them pack elk off the mountains, when you're going and spending these early mornings and late afternoons in frigid temperatures, nasty wind, chasing after elk together. And so we're going to hang out and just talk about elk hunting right now. And we're going to talk about his his success, uh, his year, because he is one of the many guys who harvested an elk out in Colorado at my Colorado elk camp that I attend. And I, I'm super pumped for him. I can't wait to have him share the story with you all. And it's always fun talking about this stuff because it's kind of like reliving it uh, all over again. So let's jump into this episode with that. You're listening to The Western Rookie, a hunting podcast full of tips, tricks, and strategies from seasoned Western hunters. There are plenty of opportunities out there. We just need to learn how to take on the challenges. Hunting is completely different up there. I've harvested 26 big game animals. You can fool their eyes, but you can't fool their nose. 300 yards back to the road turned into three miles back the other way. It's always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal. I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is Thad. Now, Thad and I, we met, was it two years ago now? I know yep. for sure we yeah, met. I, think it was. I know we met last year because we came over to Elk Camp, even though we weren't hanging out at Elk Camp. Uh, we just came to <laughs> say hey, and uh, we weren't too far away from you guys. And then, yeah, this year came back, and uh, and you were there, and you were one of the people that was, like, first in line to shoot. And so I was pretty pumped, man. It's always fun when I get to come out there and hunt and reconnect with people. And obviously, you know, the brotherhood and the friendships and the camaraderie that happened at elk camp are pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, why, why don't you uh, share with the listeners a little bit about yourself, maybe how you got into hunting, how you got connected with the whole crew out at elk camp. Okay. So yeah, I uh, started hunting when I was about 10, got my hunter safety and, my dad grew up in the Midwest in Iowa shooting ducks and 
squirrels at his grandpa's tree farm and um, did a little bit of big game and he moved out to Colorado early 90s um, and went on a couple guided hunts, shot some antelope, got a bull. And then he had me and my brothers all in a pretty short span and kind of focused a lot on waterfowl hunting. So I really didn't get my feet dipped in the water, big game hunting until I got married into the family um, and joined part of the elk camp. But yeah, I, um, (laughs) um, yeah, came up two years ago was my first year. Kind of had to, fight with some of the members of elk camp because they kind of have a rule that no spouses are allowed um (laughs) and so yeah kind of had to fight my way in a little bit but I think once I went up and went my first year they all enjoyed me and helped pack out a couple animals and yeah with the way the pecking order works and how we all get a shoot first it just never worked out the first couple years and got to enjoy it and really see the full experience and pack a few animals out and yeah. So going from not really having experience to big game hunting and then you dive into something like elk hunting, what was that like? Because I mean, I've big game hunted, but the West was something new to me, you know, going out to Mm -hmm. the mountains and chasing after elk or mule deer. My big game hunting consisted of sitting in a tree stand and staying still and trying to keep warm. And that was it, mm-hmm. but like yeah. not, not even having a ton of experience uh, with big game at all. And then jumping into a pretty grueling hunt that had to, mm-hmm. that had to be pretty challenging. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd really only ever just sat in a duck blind or a goose pit. And yeah, I mean, you just sit there and call and observe and stuff comes to you. It's not, yeah, you go up there and you're driving all the ridges and glassing all day and yeah it's just a whole entirely different experience yeah the it, it's hard to really get someone to understand what all goes into an elk hunt like that until they get out there and do it i mean for for me with deer hunting you know all i have to do is grab my gun grab some blaze orange and get ready the night before a little bit and then head out and mm-hmm. I'll drive like 10 miles. But with, with elk hunting, I mean, for me, the trip really started a week before getting my yeah. stuff all packed up, making sure like doing a couple more rounds through my rifle and then heading out to Colorado, meeting up with the guys there for like two to three days. It was packing up uh, toy haulers and trailers and getting all the side by sides loaded, finding the gas cans, ratchet straps. I mean, it's a whole ordeal and i feel like that's part of the fun of the whole hunt it's just the prep like the night before there's no greater night of the year than the night before elk camp yeah definitely (laughs) couldn't agree more (laughs) what uh what did it look like for your first year or two being out there i mean you said you got to help pack out elk were you were you able to see some on the hoof uh, and do you just, you just weren't close enough or what did that look like? Yeah. The first year we like almost every time I went out, we saw at least a handful of elk, a couple bulls. It was 
that first year though, we were just seeing them like 2000 yards. I mean, they're way out of range. Yeah. Typically not even on, on public land. They were on private or, but yeah, I mean, almost every time I went out the first year I went up and we, the first year I only went up for like half the week, we couldn't get our time off work. Um, but yeah, so we, every single time we went out, saw elk and it was awesome. And yeah, just really never had a play on any of those. And yeah, I think ended up helping pack out a couple when we were maybe going to go hunt, but yeah. Yeah. It's cool to kind of dip your toes in the water like that, where you get to help pack out, you get to experience Mm it. Um, I'm always kind of curious, the guys who go out there and it's like day one, they see a bull, they shoot it. And that's all there. There's people who basically, it's probably few and far between, but basically shoot the first elk that they've ever seen, you mm-hmm. know, in person in the wild. Yeah. And I feel like that would be kind of bittersweet to me. It'd be the rush, obviously, of shooting one, but you mm-hmm. don't really have any history in it. It's like you walked out, it just fell in your lap. Um, yeah. But then this year, you know, coming back, you, it it seemed like we had consistent shooting basically every day to every other day, Mm -hmm. um, we were getting elk down. Yeah. How, uh, how many elk pack outs were you a part of this year? This year, I actually, well, I came and helped on Adams and helped on Spicoli's. So I think, yeah, just those two. Yeah. What uh? What was your strategy going into the hunt this year? I mean, did you have anything that you wanted to change up or uh, new areas that you wanted to check out? Uh, not really. You know, I'm kind of. I still don't have Onyx. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I still kind of just go with the group and yeah, just roll with the punches and hoping I get the opportunity and finally got it this year. Yeah, it's that's the cool part is when when you jump into a group like the one that we're a part of, there's Mm -hmm. so many people who are willing to help out that are willing to do the work scout, you know, not only scout, but once they actually find the bulls, share the information with the rest of the crew. Like that's Mm -hmm. pretty rare. I feel like in Western hunting, a lot of guys, it's just like, dude, I'm coming back here. I'm going to make it happen for myself tomorrow, or I'm not going to tell anybody. Hopefully that bull lives till next year. Um, Mm -hmm. But that is the nice thing, you know, not having to put a ton of thought into how you're going to hunt, but continuing to be a student and to learn. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all of all those guys out there, I consider like hunting mentors to me. And, you know, Mm -hmm. they've they've been at it for a decade and a half out there. And I mean, they've been hunting a lot longer than that. But in this specific area. And so to know that I'm going out there with a bunch of people who know what they're doing, uh, it kind of takes the pressure off of me as a hunter a little bit. And I'm assuming you probably felt that same way. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, as I've gotten older and older, my dad, like with our waterfowl, he's always kind of struggled calling a little bit. And yeah, like, so I feel a lot of pressure when we go on those kinds of hunts because I'm kind of our main caller. And, and yeah, when you go up there, it's just, so relaxing and i mean yeah you're basically got two or three guides with you every time you go out with a group so yeah and then to have a whole support team after the fact i mean like you mentioned you've helped out uh on on pack outs multiple times now 
you know, I've been on multiple and the work, the work starts long before the hunt, but it doesn't stop after the triggers pulled. In fact, some of the hardest work happens at that point. Mm. And, and that, to know that you have, you know, a half a dozen to a dozen people who are willing to just drop everything and mm. come pack out an elk with you or, uh, track an elk or, you know, whatever the process is, even back at camp, starting to, to debone and chunk up the meat into the different cuts. It's just, there's not many places like that, that I've experienced in the hunting world. I mean, everybody's very accommodating wherever I hunt. I feel like, you know, going and hanging out and waterfowl hunting or turkey hunting or whitetail or hog, everyone's really awesome. But when you have people that are willing to like put in some serious blood, sweat and tears with you for mm-hmm. days at a time, that's a different level. Yeah. What, uh, why don't we get into the story of your elk? Because yeah. it was, it was exciting. It was awesome. And it was unlike any other hunt that we had this year, uh, mm-hmm. as far as at elk camp. I mean, it was the work, <laughs> the work happened kind of in a weird spot in the hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what we're used to so yeah. uh yeah why don't you start with kind of how how that day went what did you start out with in the morning uh when you killed your bull yeah so we were uh kind of trying out a new area i think joe had got one the day before pretty close yep. to where that one was um and yeah we had two groups that went out and we were kind of the whatever group that wasn't as far down the trail. So we kind of stopped there and we were just glassing. And then we got, um, Adam came whipping back on his quad and said that they had a bull down and there was another shooter, um, to get up there. And so I was pretty much first on the list and can't even, I think we all hopped in Shane's side by and got cruising up there and, yeah, when we got up to that spot where they were at, I think I threw my gloves off right away. And then, yeah, I went down and you were gracious enough to let me use your gun to get out there and get on it. And yeah, it was, I think what, when we first shot, was it about 380, something like that, or 400? Yeah, it was, I'm trying to remember, there were so many... I've never had like brain fog like I had after that hunt because, Mm -hmm. you know, there was already a bull down. And so I'm like helping range and call out numbers. And then finally we, uh, we get it down and then this other one's out there. And so the amount of ranges that I yelled out or adjusted for on the scope that morning, I'm like, Mm -hmm. dude, there had to have been 40 different like (laughs) adjustments made as we're trying to find the bull, as we're, uh, getting new, new data on him you know at different distances and so i honestly don't remember uh it could have been somewhere around there and Mm -hmm. and i just i remember for sure like 660 i remember calling out that number and i have no idea why i I don't know Mm -hmm. why it's significant but i just remember calling out that number and uh yeah so you took you took your first shot yeah so several hundred yards Well, and like, I was kind of struggling a little bit too, like with the point of focus on the site. Um, It was like, you know, when you have the black circle and you're kind of, you get the clear picture. It was kind of, I was kind of struggling to find that. 
And I think by the time I actually shot, he had walked to about 460, 480, something like that. Yeah. And you were adjusting your turret all along. And then, yeah, he finally, he was, had kind of was quartering and walking away and quartering. And then finally he stopped and went broadside and I took my shot and you guys all said hit. And I was like, heck yeah. And then, um, but he was still walking. And so I was trying to get back on him and my hands were frozen and yeah, I really never did get back on him and have a good shot. And so we sent a couple guys down to try and see if they could cut him off because he was heading uphill towards a road that crossed. And then they ended up kind of going to the wrong spot. They went three fingers down the hill instead of three fingers over the hill. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then me and you went and, well, I guess actually before that, then um, that other bowl, they finished that one off. So we were kind of lost a little bit of focus there i did lost a little bit of focus there yeah and then yeah we went ahead and hopped on your quad to go try and see if we could get another shot and then that's where your 660 was oh okay that's where on those second shots we were kind of shooting up that hill and yeah um i sent a few at him and yeah i don't know where they were going but we never hit him and then you even took one and yeah then he kind of got up and over the ridge and that was kind of a weird feeling because it was like, yeah. oh, it was my first bowl. Everybody was like, you hit him, but he's getting away. And yeah, like it was. Well, and on your first shot, you know, we had we had half a dozen to a dozen sets of eyes on this elk. Mm-hmm. And you, you squeezed the round off and I heard a hit. Uh, I heard the impact. I couldn't tell where it was through the spotter. But I saw I saw him start to limp really hard, and mm-hmm. so I'm like, "Sweet, you know, you shot the guns on, like everything's good." And then he just kept cruising, and you know, those animals are tough. Like you can put one right through the vitals, and they'll continue to run for 400 yards for no reason. And mm-hmm. but then what was interesting is he was the only other bull that we had seen down yeah. below us. And it seemed like every draw that he went through, he picked up another bull because by the time they went up and over that trail, there was like six of them. Mm -hmm. And we're like, where did these things come from? We only (laughs) saw two. Yeah. But yeah, we got, we got over there on the four wheeler and it's just a nasty trail to get up and over the top. But we knew that they had crossed the trail again. Like if that first group had gone to where, we told them to those elk would have mm-hmm. ran like 200 yards in front of them and yeah. been broadside. Um, yeah. But they made it up and over that trail. And at that point it was like, we can't get up to the top of that mm-hmm. from where we were. I mean, it's just too, too nasty. And I think at that point we went back and mm-hmm. it was like, Hey, we got to help the other guy get his, his bull out. But also mm-hmm. we've got this bull that we've got to go after, but it's an I don't know. What would you guess? An hour and 45 minutes to get to that spot? Yeah. Uh, going fully back around the other way? Mm-hmm. Yep. What did, what did you do at that point? Because I know I dropped in to help on mm-hmm. the other bull. We got that packed out, and then we came and caught up with you guys. But what did you do immediately following watching him go up and over the mountain? Yeah, so after we watched him go up over the mountain, 
we gave it a valiant effort and Joe's side by to get up that trail. Couldn't make it up. So then we went back and then, yeah, drove around all the way. Well, before we did that, we gave Sean a call back at camp and just to see what he was doing and see if he could go see if he could find something. And yeah, he went and headed up there and found a blood trail and started tracking. And so, yeah, by the time we got around, we almost met Sean back at like camp pretty close to where we were camped at originally before we moved from the snow. Um, and yeah, so he had been tracking that thing for probably four miles, five miles, something like that. And then I, he was going through this little valley. Um, and it wasn't, there was a lot of snow where he was at at first. So he was able to really track the blood. Um, but then through this valley, he was literally leapfrogging himself. So he'd take his hat off, set it down at the last place of blood he found, walk up 10, 15 yards or feet, yards, whatever, find the next one, go pick his hat back up and was very slow process. So it was actually a good thing. I joined up with him right when I did, but yeah, we, then I would just kind of stand at the blood. He'd go find the next one. And we just kept going and probably went for another half hour. Um, and then around that time, he, he was like, okay, like I have good blood. Um, so I like, we don't necessarily need to keep leapfrogging like this. So you kind of stay close to me, keep your head on a swivel, see if you see anything. And so right about then another bull had joined up with him and they split around this tree. And so Sean started to like step around the tree to follow the one track. And I saw a flash out of the corner of my eye and I was like, was that and I was like oh Sean Sean it's right there and so across this valley like 400 400 yards probably um yeah he just was running across the side and I was I had taken Bochum's gun um when we went out and so I wasn't super comfortable with it anyways and like it was booking it on the side of that hill heading up towards the ridge. So he was like, are you sure that's it? And I like, I saw it limp in that front left leg. And I was like, Oh, hundred percent. That's my bowl. And so then right then he's like, all right. And just boom shot once. And it kind of stopped and sat there and then shot again and then just dumped it. And it was just awesome. Jeez. Felt we, so good. So we, I'm trying to think who all, was with i think it was me and adam that went back to camp we had Mm -hmm. to refuel the atvs and then we came out well we saw joe and fish and i mean basically everybody justin was over there and everyone's kind of like spread out on the two track all the way around this this knob that you and sean were working down and so i was Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna get way high up on the other side and just glass and watch for any type of movement at all and i i'm cruising down the trail and i find like four sets of uh elk tracks like fresh in the snow and i'm like Mm -hmm. oh shoot so i get off the quad i'm like walking i mean i'm i'm like speed walking trying to find these things and and don't catch up to anything so i'm like all right i go back and it's like a couple switchbacks up the side of this mountain and I cross them again. And so I was like, all right, now I'm just going to haul. And so I grab my gear and I just take off and I'm like 
chasing these tracks down well i haven't seen anybody else at this point like i know everybody else was back down below but i'm like Mm. dude am i about to come up on this bull because (laughs) nobody else is here there's no other foot uh footprints and finally i get to a point where i'm like dude i can't see like i mean i could have kept following the tracks but it was going to get to a point where i wasn't i wasn't going to have any visibility in front of me Mm -hmm. so i figure hey i'll go back and check and at that point i think i had tracked for four or 600 yards and had no blood anywhere. And so then I'm also thinking, okay, maybe this isn't even the same elk. Yeah. Uh, Mm. But I know they're traveling the same general direction. So I, I go back and I get on the four wheeler and I'm driving to another vantage point. As I'm driving, I'm like, was that a gunshot? You know, the sound of the four wheeler right in front of me or right underneath me. I Mm. was like, I can't tell if I just heard a gunshot or not. And I just keep going park it drop down and i look down and you guys are all standing there all the four-wheelers and side-by-sides are all pulling up on the road at the same spot i see people like (laughs) waving their hat in the air and i'm like crap dude i I missed everything i'm like in the totally wrong area (laughs) and i came down and it was in this is where earlier i said the bulk of the work happened in a weird spot right Mm -hmm. because normally like you're having to book it way down in to find where these elk are in our case, we basically almost shot them from the two track, probably what, 15 yards off the yeah. two track. We yep. just dropped down the <laughs> do, dropped down the hill a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and then the bulk of the work happened in tracking that thing. Like you yeah. and Sean, the amount of work that you guys put in mm-hmm. on foot, up and down mountains, through meadows, you know, trying to find one drop of blood every 15 to 20 yards. Mm-hmm. And then in thinking about all this, it's like, okay, you guys hiked four miles, whatever it was, or, you know, Sean did, and you you joined <laughs> up with him at some point. Most people would be like, oh, crap, now they have to pack this elk out that far. No, this thing <laughs> died, like, right next to a different trail. And yeah. so we literally were able to pull the four-wheeler basically up to it. I think you guys had to drag the elk for, what, yeah. 40 yards, maybe? Yeah. And then we all picked the whole, we picked the whole thing up and we've never done this at elk camp before, no. not to my knowledge. No, first one ever. Yeah. Picked the entire elk up and put it on the back of a four wheeler, <laughs> not even in the side by side. We picked that entire bull up and strapped it down and Adam, I, it was so funny watching him driving because oh, yeah. his suspension was completely bottomed <laughs> out. You know, normally, normally the brackets make that A shape and they were mm-hmm. in a perfect V, almost touching <laughs> like the pumpkin was touching the bottom. Uh, and so it it was definitely a wild hunt. But back to the recovery. So you guys shot it. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, you, you got two shots out, off at it. It dropped the second time. And then you went up there. At that mm-hmm. point, what did you find? Were you immediately like, man, I want to see where I hit? Or uh, what was that like? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty awesome. Had that musty elk smell that you come to get used to. And yeah, it was just awesome. Said the little family prayer to it. And yeah, knew I'd be feeding a lot of people for the year to come. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's a cool little prayer that they say. You know, you lay your hand on the animal and you say, thank you and yours for providing for me and mine. And it's just a really awesome moment. Like when you can sit there and just like admire the thing that you've been chasing after. I mean, that you've put in years now Mm -hmm. or multiple seasons chasing after. And these guys have put in 
countless hours and hours trying to figure out where these animals are uh, over span of 15 years. Mm-hmm. It's crazy when it all comes together like that. And you yeah. wish you could like, you wish that not only could you take the meat and the antlers, but like you could almost bottle that up, like all of the emotion in that mm-hmm. moment and yeah. bring it with you and just like open mm-hmm. the jar every now and take a, <laughs> take a well, sniff well, or take a yeah. sip or something. Like yeah. it's, it's just a really cool feeling. Mm-hmm. For sure. What, what went through your mind in that moment? I mean, because walking up on your elk. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be a whole lot different than walking up to help somebody else pack out. Yeah, no, it was awesome. I mean, yeah, it's a, put in a lot of work and a lot of time and research and yeah, it's awesome for it to just all come to fruition. And yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. The, uh, it, it was cool to get to experience a lot of it. You know, I wish I could have been there for the whole track job and everything, but, mm-hmm. uh, it ended up, in, ended up working out now. I don't know. I don't know how much you guys examined it examined it i was like i think i was packing up my tent when you guys were all cutting it up back Mm -hmm. in camp on the trailer uh what did you find as far as as far as bullet holes because i know there were a couple in not great places but it allowed (laughs) it allowed you guys to track it honestly the the location Mm -hmm. of it yeah so actually i hit it like in the ankle and almost cut its foot off its hoof was like barely hanging on by a thread yeah, and yeah. then it also had one in its back hoof, and then yeah, one through the. I think Sean's kill shot hit it through the neck, Dang. but yeah, yeah, barely, barely hit it, but got enough that yeah, and it that's we were talking about it too when we were tracking it, so it kind of almost clawed up at times, and you wouldn't see blood for a while, and we were wondering if that wasn't like when it would like its hoof would be how it kind of should be and then it yeah, would kind of yeah. get wonky again and then start spurting some blood again. But yeah. Yeah. It was when, when I walked up and saw where it was shot, I was like, Oh my gosh. But <laughs> you know, although, although the shot was in a rough spot, the persistence of mm-hmm. our group as hunters and like, Hey, we're not going to give up on this thing. We're going to, you know, track it until we can't anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it allowed us to still harvest that animal, you know, and yep. not, not leave one out there injured. And it happens. I mean, it happens to everybody, no matter who you are. If you hunt long enough, you're going to have a situation like that, that you get into where you make a shot and when you can't tell where the impact is, you know, that's, that's also difficult, but, um, I, I hear from, you know, the best of the best, the people in the industry for a long time who have been doing this since they were little kids and they'll have a season where, you know, they put a bad shot on a deer and they never find it or multiple. I've heard, I know, I know people who have shot their bows for years, worked at bow shops, they're phenomenal shots and had multiple deer that they couldn't recover for one reason mm-hmm. or another. Um, and so it's unfortunate, yeah. but it was awesome that, you know, it all worked yeah. out. And mm-hmm. again, it was a unique story in a totally different way than what we're used to out there. Yep. Yep. So, sure was. Uh, 
what what do you have planned for next year? Because now, I mean, you popped your cherry on elk, right? Like the seal is broken. And <laughs> mm-hmm. when I first went out there, Sean said that to me. He's like, dude, just just get one down. He's like, don't be super picky. Just get one down. And it's gonna mm-hmm. it's gonna change your mindset and make it easier and give you more confidence year after year the more you do it. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you yeah. have a different game plan? Do you have different expectations for next year or different size that you're looking for? Uh, I mean, definitely going to be chasing one the size of yours, but um, yeah, I mean, definitely want to get my own, get my own rifle. That would have been a big help in yep. both, both times I shot probably. Um, yeah. And really outside of that, I'm ready to put in a bunch more work and, pack some more out hopefully get some other first timers up and get their first bowl and yeah yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be wild it's a trip that i look forward to every year but yeah once you get once you get your rifle obviously you guys have 1100 yards you can shoot out there at shane's place and i mean that that to me is one of the funnest things shooting steel i mean it never competes with shooting an animal, but like shooting mm-hmm. steel and hearing, hearing your impact and seeing it swing out at seven, eight, 900 yards. Like that's fun in, in and of itself, but it also gets expensive with the price of ammo now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, man, uh, congrats, dude. First elk. Yeah. That's a big deal. One of five guys this year to get their first elk. Yeah. And uh, hopefully the luck continues. I mean, I just keep it going year after year. Yep. Uh, well, thanks for hopping on, man. Thanks for sharing the story. I hate to cut this short, but as we were talking earlier, I've got some plans right after this podcast. Um, why don't you share before we hop off with listeners where they can find you, where they can follow along, social media, all that. Um, so I am on social medias mostly just under my name, like Facebook, uh, Instagram at ZT Flyboy. Um, I post a lot of my waterfowl shoots and yeah, most of my hunting stuff. So check it nice. out. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited, man. Next year is going to be killer. Uh, it's, it's fun meeting up with meeting new people and actually getting to hunt with new people. And that's the one thing I really enjoy about that group is every year, you know, you might have guys who haven't come for five years that show back up and uh, Mm -hmm. you get to meet them for the first time or you get to reconnect with them. And so next year is going to be pretty wild. And uh, I look forward to doing many more years of hunting with you and and the whole crew out there. Heck yeah. Me too. Well, thanks, Thad. Take care. And uh, we'll see you soon. Yep. We'll see ya. And that is going to wrap up today's show, and it's going to wrap up the harvest at Elk Camp. What a cool way to start off 2023 by just living those experiences all over again. It was a phenomenal year. I mean, seven bulls, five of them by first-time harvesters, elk killers. I don't know how you say that, but it, it was a year that none of us are ever going to forget. And I'm looking forward to another year coming up. 2023 goals are going to be on a future episode, trying to figure out exactly what I want to do, the places that I want to go, things on my bucket list that I want to check off. But I am so grateful and so thankful for everything that took place 
especially at elk camp this year and so hopefully you guys had a similar year hopefully you're out there finishing up your final season and planning for this coming season i know we're not that far away already from turkey season and applications and draws and all of that stuff so there's a lot that goes into it and i always joke with my wife like once one season ends a new season begins and there's not really an off season for most hunters if you're managing food plots or if you're trying to manage your preference points or scouting on onyx shed hunting whatever that is hopefully you guys are getting out there and doing some awesome stuff so until next time get out there and chase a new adventure